On another episode of Soothing Semantics, I am your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe, like, share, leave your comments. And for any of your real estate needs, make sure to follow Rafi the Realtor. Check out my brand new weekly newsletters. We'll be bringing you listed and sold properties, weekly statistics, real estate news, and all of the fun things to do in South Florida restaurants, all other recreational activities, things for the kids, nightlife, all of the good stuff. So make sure to check it out. Reach out to me in any way uh, you see fit. Send me your email and I will send over all of that info so you stay in the know. And when you're ready to buy, sell, rent, or invest, I will be your guy. Without further ado, Monsieur Hanun, we have a franchement, a franchement of a rire, and it's very important that we uh, bring my uh, friend on the show today. Bonjour. Bonjour. How are you, my friend? How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great, bro. I'm doing great. So it's a great Monday, great start to the week. And we have a very good friend of mine, a former uh, real estate agent. And uh, he decided to go into wealth management. So welcome to the show, my guy. Great having you. Thank you. Great to so be you here. Dude, it's yeah, it's, it's great to have you, bro. So, so just to give a little bit of a scoop, uh, Robin, we're gonna go into a challenge that Robin had. Robin had brain cancer a few years ago, and uh, thank God he overcame it. He went into remission. He's healthy now, and he is getting into wealth management. He just finished his master's degree. We were working at Keller Williams together. That's how we met, and he was in France for quite some time now, and he's finally back in the flow rider. So, dude, a couple of things. Mm -hmm. First off, uh, you know, congrats on getting the masters. Thank you. And I uh, hope you are doing. I hope you are doing okay with not having all of these uh, assortment of crepes at your disposal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Huh? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, the, Miami's Miami's getting there though. There's, um, there are enough French spots around. For sure. Yeah, there's La Boulangerie in my yeah, neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there once. Good. Decent. Decent. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. None of them are nearly as good as in France, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, dude. It's always like that. It's always yeah, like that. yeah, of course. Okay, so let's discuss the the thing that I think everyone's thinking is. When did you first notice that the cancer was setting in? I mean, what were you, what was going on in your life at that point? You know, what were you up to? So it was, I was diagnosed late June, like June 29th of 2018. Basically, I graduated from uh, University of Florida, uh, May 8th or something like that of that year. And then I went on a trip uh, with school, and then I further extended it with a friend to Southeast Asia. That's where it started to get tricky. So we went to Vietnam and Thailand, but stories for another time. And when I came back, I just started like throwing up all the time. And all the doctors naturally thought that I had just ate something wrong, especially in Southeast Asia, because there the food out there is totally different than than here so yeah that's where their their thoughts went but 
I felt like something was wrong. I had been thrown out for about a month. So I booked a flight to France and where my grandpa's doctor should say that. So he was able to get me like an MRI scan right away. And they saw like within a few minutes of me landing, like immediately. Yeah, they saw like something was wrong and I was going to have to go through some stuff. So what was it like when you first found out when they first broke the news to you? First of all, your your grandfather, you're saying he had to use the one who had to tell you? No, uh, the uh, operator, I guess, the MRI mm -hmm. operator, she told me. Yeah. Okay. How did she break the news? Like, how did it, how was it delivered to you? Like, I have bad uh, news. I have tough news. Like, how did she say it? Yeah. Yeah. She said with the radio, with the radiologist, um, she was just like, Hey, so like, there's something growing in the brain. There's definitely something there. Obviously in French, uh, there's definitely something there, but good news is that it's op operable, operatable. What do we say? But whatever, you know what I mean? It is operable i think i'm not sure it's a good question oh we'll we'll have to check it out after yeah yeah but okay. basically that's what she said and yeah yeah okay so she said there's the there's a chance that they can remove it so what were what was going through your head were you freaking out went home you didn't know what to do what were you, what were you thinking to be honest the first very first thought was like it's so incorrect, but whatever. It's just like reaction. I was just like, oh, whatever, like no big deal. Always as if it's like, I don't know, like a pimp on your forehead, you know what I mean? Like smallest thing. But mm -hmm. when I got to my grandpa's house like an hour later, yeah, it was like, it was, it hit. It hit about 10 minutes in. I remember I was there with my dad. I was like, he was like trying to come for me before I even you know, felt anything, reacted, and I was like, oh, damn, I see why you're trying to cover me. Like, this is going to be a tough ride. Yeah. Yeah, all my plans immediately changed. Like what? What What? what were you looking to do and what changed? I was going to work investment banking, uh, and I had to quit my job. By the way, is it possible to bring the screen, like, to bring your face more center? Because it, it, there's a lot of ceiling and not a lot of you. Really? What about now? No, it looks better. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now it's a lot better. Okay. I'm listening. So investment banking, and then that obviously didn't happen. Yeah, obviously didn't happen. So I was out in France for about six months. Then I came back. Um, kind of did nothing for like six months or so to, you know, recover or whatnot. Then I went and got a, a master at University of Florida. And then I wanted to go trade in New York as a trader for a firm called T3. And then I wanted to join Keller Williams. Right. Well, you, you skipped a little bit of like the the cancer aspect. You you had to do go through chemo, I'm assuming, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it all. I, I had surgery like right away, emergency surgery. I had chemo, I had radiation, the whole Were they life. able to remove the tumor completely at the time when they did it? Not exactly so. They removed most of it, but they weren't able to remove like the roots of it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And also it had spread to my pituitary gland, which mm -hmm. is a, a part of the brain. 
and that was inoperable. So I needed uh, something like chemotherapy, essentially, and radiotherapy to treat those two. How long? How long did that ha- did that go on for? I did chemo. I started in July of 2018, and I finished chemo in I want to say October, maybe November, wow. kind of. Uh, then, then I did radiation for about six weeks, thirty sessions. Was yeah, thirty sessions of of a full brain radiotherapy. And then I, when I came back, I continued chemo, but like in pill form. That was, that was like no big deal. So what was it like? Was it a very painful process? The chemo, um, not really, because I took a good amount of painkillers. I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and but it was a very nauseous, in, nausea-inducing process, you know. Right. So a lot of vomiting and things like that. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it 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 was a tough situation because like, well, obviously one like nobody wants to go through cancer, but also, I was in France, so I was away from all my friends here in America, so I was pretty much alone. So my family was there, but my parents were going through a divorce, and they couldn't put it aside, you know. So, it was definitely a tough situation. Damn, dude. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to talk about with people. Yeah. You know, different kinds of cancers and how they manage it, especially if they get through it. So yeah, thank God you're you're here and you're healthy. Thank the Lord. Hopefully Absolutely. God forbid n- neither you or I or anyone listening to this will ever have to worry about that sort of thing. Absolutely. So that's that's my uh my wish. Okay. So now that you have thank God gotten over that hump in your life. Now you are looking to get into wealth management. So I yeah, always I, like to discuss entrepreneurship and business on this podcast. So what are your goals with that? Where are, you, where are you looking to work? What are you looking to focus on? What kind of clients? What kind of, uh, what kind so, of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So I have a job starting in about a month with uh, valued wealth investing in Boca Raton. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my second master now is in finance of course from hec paris which is uh the number one ranked business school like, in the world which blows my mind because like it's not as good as the american schools in my opinion like like harvard and upen and whatnot but it is and all europeans know it very well obviously especially french people because it's in france and so essentially i want to grow the business uh to i guess more or less target europeans that want to come to to america uh and i would manage their money because i have hec under my belt which they recognize so it's like a little bit of home you know uh and i don't know if you've heard of the cfa something financial chartered financial analyst it's considered by many the gold standard of i guess financial certification Mm -hmm. uh it's a very rigorous process it's it's like it's always three levels of testing and work experience whatnot 
and the testing they take on average i think it's like 350 hours for each test um for each person that passes like the passing rates are in 30s you know like tragically low mm -hmm. uh, i passed level one i sat for level two in may about a month ago i'm still waiting on my results and hopefully i get sit for level three in february because I, I mean there's just not that many dates uh if all goes well so overall that's a pretty good amount of finance below me you know two master what does that give you so what does a cfa certification give you in terms of you know say you don't have that what would a salary look like or you know salary with bonuses i'm not sure exactly how the institutions work i'm sure they all have different options but what what could a cfa get you monetarily versus not having one what are the benefits so the average cfa three years the average cfa charter holder I should say three years after acquiring it acquiring it has an average compensation package like all in a three hundred thousand mm -hmm. so that's obviously pretty good um it's so it's a very very vast uh designation i learned about all aspects of finance including and not limited to stocks but every single um asset class essentially uh so for stocks it actually helps to be able to pick out individual stocks and analyze which ones are good prospects and which aren't uh, it teaches you all about the technical analysis it teaches you all about um, proper portfolio management and diversification of choosing how to allocate certain stocks to to give your, your portfolio the best expected return with the lowest expected risk you know what i mean interesting okay yeah interesting so you so now that you're bringing up stocks i've always understood well not always understood but several years ago a very good friend of mine who is very much a math finance guy he's just a very smart dude numbers guy and warren buffett said that trying to game the stock market or 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 predict the ups and downs of the stock market is futile like you just no one can really do it and that's why uh warren buffett was always a big believer in the s p just putting an x amount of money a year in the s p and just letting it you know grow over time as opposed to trying to time it so like what do you think about that i disagree with that so that's known essentially as efficient market hypothesis that essentially in the long run nothing's going to outperform the market you know but that's not very true large institutions like the ones like berkshire hathaway which one buffer controls or fidelity like all the big guys, what they have, it's harder for them to take advantage of opportunities because when they buy a lot, it moves the market. So the opportunities gone there. But a small retail investor like yourself or myself, we we could actually do this. And it's it's very, very achievable for for people like us to beat the market every year. I can't tell you the amount of people I know who have been in the market year after year for like 20 years in a row. It's really not possible when 
when you manage like a very large fund. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I I can't argue it because I really don't know enough about stocks. I don't know enough about crypto and I don't know, know enough about stocks. So, I mean, hey, it, what it would come down to, it would come down to investing a little bit of money, money that I'm not afraid to lose, giving it to you, letting you do your, do your thing and obviously explaining it to me and kind of just seeing where it goes. But I, I'm definitely very skeptical about it. It's not that I don't believe what you're saying. It's just more of just looking at it from a logical standpoint. I feel that most most people don't know what they're doing. Fair. And over the, yeah, and over the course of time, they lose tremendous amounts of money. But I also understand that putting money into the S&P every year is your return, the potential isn't as high, but your risk is a lot lower. So I think it really just comes down to how comfortable you are losing the money. You know, if you're putting it, it's in... It's all, yeah, risk aversion. You risk know, aversion, your, yeah. Your preferences overall. The higher risk in general the higher expected return if things are properly managed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've, I used to be so scared of, of taking financial risks. And then I, I just realized over time that scared money don't make no money. Mm -hmm. You have to, I mean, you have to think about it. You have to be strategic, but you're going to have to do shit that's you scary. <laughs> you yeah. have to do shit that could like could potentially really fuck you because there's no way, especially if you come from a, a poorer background and you're trying to make it before you turn 60 like you're gonna have to do some balls to the wall things it's just nothing absolutely there's just nothing else to say about it and thank god i've been able to i've been able to become that person i'm so happy i did because i used to be so absolutely. scared to spend money bro i would i would like i would hold on to every dollar for dear life and it's you can't make money that way no no yeah, yeah there's definitely a lot of ways to expand your income generate returns we could obviously talk about it in detail like uh, another time you know if, if you want obviously i could spew a bunch of stuff on here but i don't think that's uh of interest to everyone who's watching well i mean whoever is it is of interest it'll be of interest whoever it isn't of interest will uh, probably stop watching the episode Fair enough. Which is lame because it helps the algorithm when you watch it. And you probably want to make some money if you listen to my show anyway. So I implore you to listen. Anywho, there is so much to unpack when it comes to financial discussion. I definitely, God willing, uh, will come to you when I want to, especially when I want to play around with the stock market. Uh, if you do any crypto kind of stuff, crypto is interesting, but. I won't touch that rat poison. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Why? What are you? Why are you so anti it? Uh, it's not a physical asset ever. Mm. So, the only value it could have is what it gives. It doesn't produce any value. Like stocks produce earnings. You know, they pay out dividends based on those earnings. They're mm. real companies. You know, crypto is nothing. And then there's simply in my opinion, the regulatory factor that no government is going to allow another country's, it's not even a country, another uh, currency to flow within its borders without testing it or something, regulating it in some way. And the whole point of crypto is that it's not regulated. So what it has to get regulated as it's now being done in the U.S. and in Russia, and obviously in China, well, then it, 
it can't, in my opinion, it can't prosper. Right, because it's 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 losing its primary function. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes perfect sense. It's mm -hmm. kind of like you know, it's it's like cutting a bird's wings off, or just yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's essentially the same thing. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Well, what are, what are some other things that maybe people should know about? It can be a brief idea, but maybe some key components of financial literacy. So certain asset classes such as real estate and physical commodities like gold and silver and whatnot, they are hedged against inflation. So when prices go up, the prices those go up as well. So you're not gonna lose against inflation with those. Stocks and bonds, on the other hand, they do. They have their own advantages, but it's not those. For example, a bond is say, say it's you get it at three percent. You pay three percent per year or whatever, or it pays you if you're the investor three percent a year. But inflation has gone up nine percent over the next year, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Literally, if if you had your money in inflation protected bonds, you could pay off the other bonds or the interest on the bonds. So whatever. How does that work? So if inflation went up 9%, technically you could pay, you have to reimburse 3%. So you pay that off, but you'll, you still have the 6% difference. Mm. That's known as arbitrage when you make what's known as a riskless profit. I mean, you can't predict inflation. The risk close profit? Riskless. Riskless. Okay. Okay. You can't. Um, uh, you can't predict inflation, of course, but it's essentially when two assets that are more or less the same, one sells higher than the other for whatever reason, uh, you sell the cheaper one and buy the buy the wait, you sell the higher one, sorry, the more expensive one. And you, you buy, buy the cheaper one. one. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. See, like that can't really be done as efficiently uh with a large fund for example because let's say a, a firm has i don't know 10 million shares outstanding and apple or uh, let's say a fund berkshire hathaway can actually buy a hundred a hundred million of those shares but there's only 10 million you know if they buy a lot of it it's just going to move the market entirely for that stock so it's going to close that opportunity but a person like you or me, if it trades like, I don't know, a million per day, mm -hmm. if you or I buy a hundred shares of that stock, that's not that's not even a significant portion. So we're not going to move the market. And then, if and that's the idea, the arbitrage gap closes, then you can make that profit. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. It's oh, so yeah, cool. I got you now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, dude, this is a whole new world to me. It really is, man. Like, I did not grow up with any kind of financial literacy, dude. Zero, oh, yeah. zero. Like, I've learned, I've the real estate game, understanding different. Forget about it, man. Yeah, I think. And operating income, cap rate, cash on cash, you know, uh, after repair value, all these oh, other, yeah. all it, bro, you know gross net and triple net lease you know 
uh, I mean, all these different terminologies, like all these other things that I ha literally have not really didn't know much about until three years ago. And then when you talk about this discussion, I'm still like, there's so many things I don't, and that's what's so awesome about it though. Cause when, when you look at it as a noob, as like a total novice, it looks like a whole nother language. And then once you study it and have someone kind of coach it to you, it becomes so simple. It's like anything else. Yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah. how intimidating it is. And most people look at it and they're like, I don't, I don't even want to know what that, that it's like, yeah, but this can make, this could put so much money in your pocket. Make you rich. Yeah. And it's like, you have to be willing to get over that hump and just learn it. Cause once you learn it and then you can teach it to your kids too, dude, like there's so much, there's so much value I can now bring to my kids, even just from content creation, like YouTube. If my kids want to make content, dude, I can give them so much knowledge on it and I'll save them all of the, they'll have to fail anyway, but I've failed enough for them where I can show them. You could save them a lot of hours, lessons and. Yeah, dude. And that's, this is another thing is like people need to appreciate their parents, man. Like, you, people, especially when they have a business-oriented father, guys, you need to appreciate it because I did not have that, and it took me a while to, to learn it on my own. And people don't realize that when you have a, a father who went and failed and did it on his own, and he was able to teach you these concepts from a young age, you, by the time you're 20, 20, you know, anywhere from 20 to 25, you have knowledge that somebody that didn't have that upbringing may not have had unless they put the work in. Like I, I you know, I try to bust my ass and learn this shit on my own because otherwise I don't have a father teaching it to me. Unfortunately, it's, yeah, same. It is, I mean, it is what it, it is. What it is. Huh? Have you heard of the book by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Of course, dude. I, I don't think there's a single human that hasn't heard of that book. Have you read it? Or? I read it. I read it. Yes. Yeah. It it's fantastic. It's amazing. And it's so relevant to me. It's crazy oh, yeah. how much I relate to that book, dude. I relate to that book so much. Oh, yeah. So much. Because my grandmother is a phenomenal woman. I love her to death. And, but business is not her thing. She she did, could not teach me anything about business. It just wasn't her thing. Wasn't her so, thing. Her, and her mindset was very much fixed. Um, it's just how it is. You know, she grew up poor. Her family, parents were immigrants. She was just the saver. She did not, she was, yeah, I mean, yeah, she was very risk averse. Yeah, and, so. and there's ways to be super risk averse and still to profit in the financial markets if mm -hmm. you have a portfolio that is built like uh, tailored to your needs or that investor's needs. Right, but the upside's still not going to be as high naturally. But you no, can no, no, no. yeah, yeah. The the more risk you want to employ, the more potential returns you can get. Yeah, yeah. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. You can't. You're not going to be able to make those massive profits if you're if you're too scared. Yeah, it just is what it is. But you know, there's more of a guarantee. I think it's also it's understanding who you are as a person. I I I, I spoke to my buddy about this because he he's an actuary. Mm -hmm. But he he kind of does a little bit of wealth management as well. Like he don't he doesn't have these certifications, but he's very much qualified. Like if he went out and studied for the CFA, he he's just very very smart. Uh, he puts his mind to something, he'll do great. So I, he'll, he would do great at it. So he was saying that there, you know, a good financial analyst, a good financial advisor, a wealth wealth management advisor, they're going to get an understanding of what kind of personality type you are. Exactly. understand your uh, you know assess your risk tolerance and say okay well based on how much risk you're willing to take 
this is what we can expect your return to be. Exactly. And, yeah. And I think that's awesome. I can't manage you and, for example, your neighbor in the same exact way. Mm -hmm. There has to be certain aspects that you need and certain aspects that your neighbor needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. Okay. Well, kind sir, I think we covered a nice amount of ground. Yeah. And what, where should people reach out to you if they want to uh, work with you, if they want your, your advice? And your coach, well, you know. a very simple email. It's Robin R O B I N Hanun H A N N O U N at gmail.com. Perfect. So I'm going to put it in the description for anyone that is looking to manage their finances and grow their business portfolio, make that extra bread, live on your own terms, have money work for you instead of working for your money. Get in contact with Robin Hanun and he will be. Oh, great assistance. I will be working with him myself. That would be lovely. Absolutely, my guy. So, it has been a pleasure. Ladies and gents, if you made it this far, I thank you. I appreciate you. And make sure to like, subscribe, and share. Leave your comments. Again, remember that if you are looking for anything real estate related, make sure to reach out to me, Rafi the Realtor. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter. It's awesome. I put a lot of work into it. I really personalized it. It's fantastic. I'm so excited to send it out to people. Um, just as a, it's it's really something I I put my own personal time into, and that is that, folks. Stay tuned for the next episode. Until next time, peace. See ya.